1: The space goes down, down, baby, down, down the roller
2: coaster. Sweet, 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 baby, sweet, sweet, don't let me go. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa pop, shimmy, shimmy rock. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa pop, shimmy, shimmy rock. I met a girlfriend, a Trisket. She said a Trisket, a biscuit, ice cream soda pop, and a on the top.
0: Ooh, Shalina, walking down the street ten times a week. I met it, I said it, I stole my mama's credit. I'm cool, I'm hot, socky in the stomach
2: three more times.
1: That was way better.
2: Welcome back. You
0: are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, big. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, as always, my name is Don. And to my left, we have the Professor Ken.
3: Uh, I, I don't get it.
0: And unfortunately, Jill got a better offer and couldn't join us, Um, so I guess we are back to the comic book guy, John.
2: Feeling big tonight.
0: (laughs) And joining us for a second time, this is Katie. Hi. Hi. All right, so tonight we are talking about Big. Big comes from us from one of our fan listeners, Tatiana. She uh, suggested it, threw it into the Bronco helmet, and we picked it. So thanks, Tatiana, for throwing that in there. Uh, I
2: do want to make sure that this is not confused with the porn version, which is called Huge. The
1: other night, my dad was making dinner. (laughs) My dad was making dinner, and he's like shuffling through our the bowls that we have. And he's like talking to himself and I'm just walking by. Like he didn't know I could hear him. And he goes, no, this one's too big. That's what she said. <laughs> like he would never make that joke. So I was just shocked to hear that come out of his mouth.
2: What, what's best is he did it on his own when he didn't think anybody was hearing it.
1: Yeah.
0: And you can't, that's what she said yourself. That is a rule, but my man here does it anyways. I love it. Look how red he's turning.
3: <laughs> I didn't think anybody was around.
0: Uh, <laughs> well well fucking a that just makes my night now i'm in a good mood
1: now i'm happy so what
3: did she do she immediately turned around
1: tj guess what dad just said she goes
3: busting back downstairs
0: of course she was big which was released on june 3rd 1988 it was directed by penny marshall the screenplay by gary ross and ann spielberg it stars tom hanks david moscow Jared Rushton, Elizabeth Perkins, Robert Loggia,
2: and John Hurd. And Spielberg. Where have we heard that name from?
0: Ann Spielberg?
2: Yeah, that last name is very familiar. Is that his sister? That would be Steven Spielberg's sister. Oh,
0: I think in the back of my head I knew that, but... I don't know. I guess, Original, I, didn't, I, guess I didn't pay attention. I guess
2: originally they wanted Steven Spielberg, or she wanted Steven Spielberg to direct the movie, but he felt that he would overshadow her, so he decided not to do it.
0: Oh, look at that.
3: She only has a
2: couple of writing credits.
3: Yeah? Yeah, it was like three or something like that.
0: Oh. Just oh, a couple. Interesting. Well, it's not surprising, you know, so.
3: What about John Lovitz? John Lovitz, he's in this too. For what two seconds?
0: But that's not the point. He is in this. When I when uh, he came on screen, I'm like, oh look, that's John Levitz. I completely forgot he was he was in it. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Professor, when was the last time you've seen Big?
3: It, it had been a couple of years. I bet that it's been. I'll, I'll oh gosh, I'll bet you it's been at least five years. Nice, nice, John. I'd say at least ten years for me. What about you? Oh fuck,
0: it's been when did it come out? Eighty eight. Yeah. Maybe the last time I watched it was in the early 90s. Maybe. Really? Yeah.
3: So here's an interesting thing. My daughter Katie, she just watched it. And so when we drew it out of the hat, it's like, oh, Katie's going to totally want to talk about this because oh. she loved the movie. It's been like a, what, a month? Yeah. So the first time you saw this movie
0: was a month ago? Yeah. Why'd you love it so much?
1: Um, It was just like... We were on a trip to the beach, and it was just like very calm weekend. And then the move, it was. I was just like scrolling on Amazon with my mom, and she was like, "Oh, this movie is so funny! Like you would love this movie." And I'm like, oh, "I've always seen the piano thing mm-hmm. that you see that clip everywhere—the piano." And I was like, "Okay, like let's watch it." And even though I'm not a big Tom Hanks fan, I was like, "Whatever! Like if mom thinks it's funny, it's only ninety minutes or something. It's not too long." Um, and it was just really funny. Like it made me laugh out loud. So Fun.
2: Funny in a creepy sort of way. <laughs> Wait, you, fuck off. Hold on.
0: I, can, I need to go back to I'm not that big of a Tom Hanks fan.
1: Oh, it's not that I'm not a fan. He's too famous. So I watch him and I see Tom Hanks, kind of like how people watch Tom Cruise and you can't really focus on the character. You're like, oh my God, it's Tom Cruise. Interesting. He's too famous. I know I
0: know exactly what you're talking he's about. Your a, father and I have talked about yeah. that uh, for years. Uh, really? Tom Hanks, yeah, huh? Yeah,
1: he's just too famous. So I just feel like I can't focus. This movie, he looked a little different since he was so much younger. So it was a little easier. But yeah, normally I just, I'm like, he's, oh. I can't focus on it. Yeah.
2: How'd this movie do, Don? Uh,
0: Big was made for $18 million and it brought in $152 million. So not a bad outing for Laverne uh, when she
3: decided to take over the director's
0: chair. She
2: was the first female director to break $100 million.
0: Yeah, that's fucking awesome.
3: So interestingly enough, this movie does have a couple of Academy Award nominations. Uh, what are they, Professor? One is for acting, Tom, uh, Tom Hanks, and the other is for the story and the uh the acting that tom hanks props that he got for this it really uh it really took him aback and he was very very surprised at something that he wasn't taking all that serious and having the time of just you know what i'm just a goofy actor i'm just having fun and just doing whatever it is that i do and then he gets an Oh, and an Academy Award nomination, and it changed his life and how he wanted to approach acting. And he said to himself, you know, I think that I can do this and I should try to do this the best that I can every time I can.
2: And I
0: tell you, he's one of the best ones at it. You know what I mean? Prior to Big, he does a movie uh, called He Knows You're Alone in 1980. He does Splash in 84, Bachelor Party in 84, The Man with One Red Shoe in 85, Volunteers with John Candy in 85, The Money Pit in 86, Nothing in Common with Jackie Gleason in, in 86 as well. Every Time We Say Goodbye is also in 86. 86 was a big year for him. And then Dragnet.
2: One thing I noticed when I was looking through all the movies he's done, he does a lot, like two movies in a year. That seems like a lot for an actor.
0: Yeah. And especially back then. I and,
2: mean But but all of
3: these are light movies. What does he do after this? After big? Yeah. And and then he gets back to back Academy Award nominations. He changes. One of them was Forrest Gump, was pretty soon after this one. It was it was Philadelphia and then Forrest Gump that so he got he won the Oscar for Philadelphia and then the next year he won the actor for Forrest Gump. And so he has you know, this was a pivotal movie for him. And it's it, it shows.
0: Yeah. And watching Tom Hanks in this, knowing who Tom Hanks is ultimately going to become, you can see you can see where it comes from. There are plenty of scenes in this movie uh, that we'll get to where, I mean, you buy it. You know what I mean? You have empathy, so. you have happiness. I mean, everything. He, he brings you through all the emotions and he does it effortlessly. Agreed. Hey, what war
3: did he win, John?
2: He actually won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a um, motion picture.
0: Right on.
3: on. Now, ironically, Penny Marshall, she doesn't get any Academy Award nominations. And cruelly, her movie Awakenings in, when was Awakenings? Oh, it was 1990. Cruelly, that is nominated for Best Picture, and De Niro got nominated, I don't remember if he won, but he was at least nominated for Best Actor, and Penny
2: Marshall gets no love from the Academies. Speaking of De Niro, did you hear that he was originally one of the top choices to play Josh Baskin? Yeah,
0: he was going to be too much money.
2: Yeah, they he wanted $6 million and they decided that was way too much. They originally offered the role to Tom Hanks. He was too busy, couldn't do it. Wait, Tom Hanks took the role. I know, but they originally offered to him, and he turned it down. And then they offered it to De Niro, and, and he wanted $6 million, But during that time, because it was offered to De Niro, and he was going to do it, they got a lot of backing behind it. And that's what helped push the movie through the narrow. unfortunately they decided they could not pay him the $6 million. They couldn't afford him. So he backed out Tom Hanks schedule opened back up and he was able then to do the movie.
3: Yeah. It got, Josh, the role of Josh got offered to a lot of different actors. Uh, the only one I, the only other one I could think of it was uh, Steve Gutenberg. but there were several actors that, that it was offered, but they, they all declined.
2: Yeah. It says Harrison Ford. Yeah, Harrison Ford. If Spielberg had directed it, Harrison Ford was his top choice to play Josh Baskin.
3: And I have to say, you know, knowing about some of these different names being in the movie, playing some of these roles, or some of these moments in the movie that we see, they're sprinkled throughout, you know, what would it have been like to have him in there? would it have been? No, no, no. Tom Hanks has this innocence that really
2: shines brightly in this movie. The only other person who I thought could probably do a good job was Robin Williams, Is one of the people that considered. But when I see this movie, I can't imagine it without Tom Hanks.
0: Well, Robin Williams kind of gets his chance when he makes Jack with Francis Ford Coppola mm-hmm. uh, later
3: than oh, the
2: Oh, sure, sure, right. I would like to say
3: that there is another uh, more subtle thing that I think really works well in this movie, and it is Howard Shore. Howard Shore was responsible for the music in this movie, awesome. and I think that the movie works very well in conjunction with Tom Hanks, as well as the musical cues that are given during this movie. That it really helps to sell the different moments of the movie that make me smile throughout. And Howard Shore, he he did get, uh, he did end up getting three Oscars: two for Return of the King, and then he got one for. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring, but that's largely what he's most well known for is the Lord of the Ring stuff. But he has had over a 100 credits, and he's done things like The Departed, Aviator, That Thing You Do, Seven, uh, Dogma, Mrs. Doubtfire, Silence of the Lambs, Philadelphia. He really hit the marks very well in this movie, and I was... I couldn't help but notice that the the movie really moves my emotions in conjunction with the music.
0: Sure, the music goes hand in hand with what we're seeing on the screen, and it's very fitting.
1: Sometimes the music of movies, because I feel like you watch a good movie and you're like, oh, the music is so good. But there are good movies that don't have good scoring. Like, I watched Paddington for the first time the other day, and I remember thinking the music was just too much. There was too much, like, emotional cues being pressed, and I'm like, it's just overkill. Like
0: Paddington as in the bear?
1: Yeah. Like, I felt like the whole movie there was music, and I'm like, is there going to be anything that's said in dialogue, or am I just being told what to feel because of the scoring? So, like, I just wanted to say, like, the music isn't always good in movies. And that's an example I can think of.
0: Paddington Bear?
1: I love that movie. I just oh. watched that for the first time, too.
0: How many times have you seen it, John? I have
2: not seen that no movie. Don't fucking lie to me. It I like 100% on Rotten but did or I, something. Did I hear, didn't I hear Like the president of Ukraine, he was in that movie? Of Paddington? Yeah, was he the voice of something? Or? I have no fucking idea. I, I don't know. I thought i was. heard something. There's something uh, about that. Before, he know. was a comedian before he became president of Ukraine. He was in some movie, and I think it said Paddington. Interesting. Interesting. That's hilarious. Since uh, we started with Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Pop, should we talk about the history of that song? Sure. I guess it started out as Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa wop in 1956 by a group called El Capriz. It was re-recorded in 1965 by Andy and the Imperials. And the fun thing is if you go out to YouTube, there's actually a couple of videos, one with them doing it on the... A Dick Clark show and another with Sha so it is a fun video to watch now do you know where you know we got the shimmy shimmy cocoa pop do you know where all that rap and everything came from how that got introduced to the movie please enlighten <laughs> us <laughs> so Tom Hanks' son came back from summer camp and I guess that's something that either they came up with or they just learned at summer camp and he thought it would be a great include in this movie. So
3: Katie, you were commenting about this movie recently with that little rap and you were wondering where did that come from and why Why do they do that?
1: Oh yeah, it's like why, uh, my question was because they kind of just show the two friends walking and then they're just singing it and then it's like, why? Like they didn't show the origin of that in the movie. Like I would have loved to see like them learn it or something. Why? I don't know because we just see them walking and you're like, oh, they're best friends. They're singing this song together. But so,
0: but okay, so because you saw them singing this song together, you could assume that they were best friends.
1: I did make the assumption, but then and did I
0: you buy that they were best friends? I bought it. Okay. And then then the point of the song worked.
1: I could have bought it more. Oh, for fuck's sake! Could have gotten it on sale.
2: I figured the whole point of that. Shimmy, shimmy, coco pop song was just so that later on Tom Hanks could identify himself to Billy.
0: Oh, they could have done it a billion different. Yeah, ways. but that, that was just that the was way just a, they did it. That was just a, yeah, that's just the way they did it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I bought it. Yeah, so did I. From the moment uh, we meet him on screen, we know that they're best friends.
2: So David Moscow, what did you think of him playing the young Tom Hanks in this movie? Uh,
0: I thought he did just
2: fine. It look so similar. Yeah, and I thought they did a great job because he had to basically have his hair cut, you know, his style like Tom Hanks. He had to have it dyed dark to look like Tom Hanks. He had to wear green contacts. And then something I read that I thought was a, was fascinating is every role, every uh, scene that you see Tom Hanks in, they first had Tom or David Moscow do that scene so that Tom Hanks could go back and just reprise it like David Moscow would have done it. So that was kind of clever thinking, I thought.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: There's one moment that I see
3: uh, that in particular shows uh, very much of a little kid. Him and Billy, they are running across the street uh, leaving the hotel and he's the way his arms are flailing the way his arms are flailing <laughs> it's like <laughs> why are you running like oh right that's because that's how a kid runs
0: when that's he's right. running really fast
3: yeah,
2: the
1: other good. moment is when he sits down at his desk and he sits on top of his legs
0: oh yeah and he spins around in his yeah, chair a little bit yeah 12 yeah. year old josh baskin is told that he is too short for a carnival ride called the super loops while attempting to impress a girl Ejected, he inserts a coin into an antique fortune teller machine called Zoltar and makes a wish to be big. It dispenses a card stating your wish is granted, but Josh notices that the machine has been unplugged this entire time. The next morning, Josh finds that he's grown into an adult. It turns out the Zoltar machine can actually make wishes come true. He tries to locate the machine, but finds that the carnival has moved to its next destination. Returning home, he tries to explain his predicament to his mother, who, terrified, refuses to listen and threatens him, thinking he's a stranger who has kidnapped her son. Fleeing from her, he then finds his best friend Billy and convinces him of his identity by singing a rap which only they know. With Billy's help, he learns that it will take some time to find the Zoltar machine again. So Josh rents a flophouse in New York City and gets a job as a data entry clerk at Macmillan Toy Company.
1: Wasn't it funny to watch his mom freak out? Yeah, so yeah. funny.
2: Well, I think it's funny that you know she pulls the knife. You imagine if she like stabbed him, and then it was something like a werewolf vampire situation where Josh then reverts back oh. to a little kid. Oh, that would have made it a great dark comedy. Oh gosh, uh,
1: yeah,
0: no, never, never once crossed my mind.
2: Now I want to bring up the you know early on in the movie that there's a lot of little issues here throughout this movie. But earlier on, when he goes to the carnival and the parents are so overprotective, they're following him, he gets in line for the ride, and you know they're taking his picture and everything. Right after that, did you notice that he's walking through the carnival alone?
1: Well, he probably just was like, oh, I need some space, which I felt like maybe they should have shown that. But he was clearly like annoyed, so maybe the parents were like, okay, he's going to take a lap.
2: Katie got it. I don't know why you didn't. I just thought it was funny that, you know, they're they're nowhere to be found at this point. But that's a great, I great explanation. I did think
1: that too, though. They could have showed that. Him. No,
2: well, they didn't have to if you got it.
1: I got it, yeah. So, <laughs>
0: just kidding, Sorry.
2: Um Yeah, I mean, you just, you just got to go with it. This does kind of set up a theme earlier on in the movie that when Josh makes his wish to be big, is it because he really wants to be big or is it because he wants to impress the girl? He wants to get the girl.
0: He wants both. He knows that by becoming big, he can impress the girl, and by it, it's one of those cases where you're in a rush to grow up. Mm-hmm. You know who who, when they weren't little, didn't at one point say, "God, I wish I was just a little bit older." Well, you know I... what, and it's funny that you know you you say that because when he goes up to ride the the ride, he's he's taller than four feet, so mm-hmm. that that whole bit right there. You got to question that a little bit.
2: Well, the other thing too is he makes the wish to be big. He didn't say I wish to be older. So, do you think maybe he was just wishing to be a little bit taller, or he could have just wished for getting the girl?
1: I think the the roller coaster guy said like, "Oh, you're not big enough," or something. Like, this, someone yeah. said big. I yeah. think that's why he said it. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. he wished to be big, and that, mm-hmm. and that's what he got.
1: He and got he's a little big. kid; he's not thinking logically.
2: One theory that I actually read that I thought was funny was. When he goes up to the Zoltar machine, he puts the coin in, and he starts beating the hell out of the machine to get the machine to activate, that by making him you know, 30 years old or whatever, that was Zoltar's revenge on him for smacking him around.
3: Well, the history of wishes being granted in different folklores in general, wishes are granted but with a cruel irony to it. And it is meant in general to be that, yeah, you got your wish, but it's not quite what you thought. I thought that the Zoltar machine was... Was a uh, beautifully creepy. I I really enjoyed the uh, the aura of uh, mysteriousness and the uh, it, it. I I just thought that that was a, a delightful representation of uh, mystique and mystery that the machine gives us. Yeah, sure. All right. So. Question, Katie. You're standing in front of the Zoltar machine. You don't know what kind of a wish it's going to grant you, but not knowing the wish, what wish would you have asked for?
1: I was just thinking of this. What would I have asked for? Um, uh, I don't know. It's like you could go down one of two avenues. Like a life, like how can I make my life better? Or can I please have a Tesla right now?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can I please have a Tesla right now? Is that what you just said?
1: Yes, I really want a Tesla. I've been looking into them a lot lately. Oh, for fuck's
0: sakes. <laughs> all
3: right, all right, John. You're a kid. You're standing in front of that machine. What do you think
2: that you would be wishing? Maybe. I would. I would wish for world peace and to help all my friends. Fuck off!
1: Oh, why didn't see? Now I sound like a dick. Can I have a Tesla, please?
0: Well, yeah. That that's that's kind of what I thought too. I mean, it's, I didn't. I didn't even need John to say that. As soon as you said Tesla, I was saying, God, what a dick. Um, I'm sorry. Well, if if all the wishes are ironic. Um, no, but
3: you don't. Think you, you don't know
2: that, and you didn't know that the wish was going to be granted, right? But he he says, "Yeah, so my again, wish so. would turn out. I'd wish for world peace, and then we'd find out like some dictator has taken over America, and, and <gasps> now we have no. World you peace. would
0: wish for world peace, and you know what would happen? The machines. Oh, that was good too. Did I was you, gonna say, fucking Red Dawn.
2: Did you ever see that uh, that Twilight Zone episode where the guy wished for world peace? Uh, no, and then I don't he think became so. Hitler and have taken over the whole country. Oh, Wow. Well. That's, Good, that's so Good that So time. yeah, so that's kind of the ironic, ironic wishing.
3: All right, Don, what do you got? I would wish for nothing. So you're 13 years old, standing in front of one of those machines, and you oh, you we didn't we have any. To put
1: ourselves in our 13 year old body.
3: That's more or less what I'm asking oh, for.
1: Oh, I would not have wished for a Tesla.
0: <sighs> oh, for fuck's sake! So she would have wished for sure, a swim, <laughs> or I was gonna say a Barbie house or something.
1: No, I didn't even play with Barbies when I was younger. I never had Barbies um
2: um wow you deprived her
1: no i didn't want to play with barbies i i just played with other stuff a gi joe no this is a side conversation that it's not necessary um (laughs) um i'd wish i'd probably wish like to like go somewhere with all my friends or something i feel like when you're 13 you're like motivated for by like what's the most fun so all right well since
0: you called me on my bluff um, my thirteen-year-old self. What would I wish for?
3: Cable, cable TV. I,
0: all all the pay channels. My honest, my
2: answer. <laughs> my honest answer probably what I would would have wished to be through school. Uh, so he makes the wish. It is granted. You what you didn't ask him what his wish would be?
1: Oh yeah, what's I, your wish? I don't wish? fucking care. Wait, now I want. So know. he?
0: No, I'm just kidding, Kim.
3: <laughs> he knows. So, uh my my childhood. It usually went probably somewhere along the lines of I wish that I could be invisible or I would never have to stop at a red light ever again.
0: So he makes the wish. It is granted. There's this big storm. Uh, You know, his baby sister won't stop crying. So conveniently, the mom gets up and gets rid of the sister. And then we get the transformation and we get to see uh, Tom Hanks for the first time. And
2: what do you guys think of... Well, here's my first question about that scene. He I didn't goes, ask if you had questions. He goes to bed wearing. Well, first observation: he goes to bed wearing pajamas. Yeah. He wakes up just in his tidy whiteies. That magically, they fit the grown version of him.
3: Okay. What did Is mom? That, what did no. mom say? What did mom say when she picked up his pajamas? I don't know. What did she say?
0: They were all ripped. Were they all ripped? I yeah, they ripped that. right off. What did mom him. say? I don't
3: know. What does he do to these when he's sleeping at night? Uh, what do you think of Tom Hanks when he finds out he's big? cracked me up when he's there at the mirror and he does what I think that a little kid would do. What does he do once he accepts his fate at that moment? Looks down his boxer. or looks down his briefs.
0: A hundred percent. Every little, yeah, it happens a hundred percent of the time for sure.
3: And, and the second he looks down there, Josh, and then he snaps it shut. Yeah,
0: and so that's that's good direction by Penny Marshall. Very much so. It it takes one of those moments where it can be really embarrassing, but they play it for a laugh. And there's a lot of moments like that in this film uh, where it can go serious, it could go a different way, but we're cut immediately to a joke uh, or a musical sting, and it it takes us right out of it and puts us right back where we need to be.
3: And these are like one of the many tender moments that I think uh, Penny Marshall gives us in the movie.
0: Yeah, I like how he just the look on his face and the disbelief in his eyes and when he's trying he, he even goes so far as to put water in his eyes, rub his eyes, get the sleep out of his eyes, and then it's still him, you know. And then he goes in to put his clothes back on. What what do you what made him think that his jeans would fit? Do you think? I,
2: I, think I thought was that was great. A that was great comedic you know, effect of him trying to put those little pants oh, on. Oh, Tom Hanks,
0: great uh physical comedian for sure.
3: Yeah. Sheer panic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And so uh, he goes into his dad's room, gets a giant sweatshirt and some sweats, and then you know, putting yourself in this predicament, you go to your your you go to your parents, right? And oh no, 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 he leaves first because he wants to go find the fucking machine. Yeah, because he knows bring he fucked si- up.
3: Bring your sister down, yeah. and then just have the sister roll across the kitchen. Yeah,
0: yeah, and he's out. And he goes to the place where the fair was. How was it
1: already cleaned up? That's yeah, what overnight I was thinking. it closed
2: late, and then the whole fair is gone.
1: Yeah,
3: well, aren't you familiar with the life of Kearney's? They're not that quick, are they? They work all through the night because the next gig they got to be ready to go, and that's the life on the road.
0: I have been on shows where we have set up for two weeks and torn down in twelve hours. So wow. it, it didn't it didn't faze me when I saw that. So, um, but I mean, Josh upset right it's not there he goes back home and now he has to tell his mom
1: i love when he's like oh sorry and then he wipes his shoes yeah cuz she's like she's like what the fuck
0: and he's
2: like oh my bad
1: couldn't <laughs> think about
3: the she's completely different. freaking
2: out well what cracks me up is you know the door's unlocked he runs in scares the hell out of his mom but throughout the movie that door remains always unlocked yeah
3: i love how mother Ghost from completely petrified to complete raging crazy woman with a knife what what makes her snap is when he's trying to show his birthmark on the back of his knee oh that's right and he drops his drops the 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 uh sweatpants yep
0: and so he runs out and probably scared shitless and goes to find billy yeah he goes to find his buddy
2: um (laughs) They're shooting the baskets. Well, well, here's another issue with the movie is, you know, first of all, I, you know, I, I'm going to point out a lot of issues, but I still think it's a funny movie. It's a great ride. Billy, of course, sucks at basketball. But why does everybody sitting in the stands just happen to have a dodgeball on them? Because that's the way it was written. Because the director looked at it and goes, you know, what would
0: be funny is if everybody pelted him with dodgeballs right now. And it did. It worked. It was a laugh. Uh, so he goes and he finds Billy, and you know Billy, rightfully so, is freaked out, right? Who is this fucking guy? And uh, Josh pleads with him, and it takes the shimmy shimmy cocoa pop song to uh,
2: convince uh, him. Convince him, and would that have convinced you, or would you have thought this guy maybe has been stalking us for a long time and heard us do this?
3: You're a kid; you, you're simpler in your uh, in your in
2: your being pr- proven. So Billy basically would have wanted to see the puppies in the van is what you're saying.
3: No. I think that I think that the rap between these two in my head that it was something that has evolved where they continually added new bits to it and as they added new bits to it it was continually evolving and since it was so unusual and unique it, that was enough for Billy.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that the way uh, Josh was doing it, too, and the way the he was hand mimicking gestures. the hand gestures and his tone and the inflection in the song. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and you're right, I think they were making up the words, and it's something that they only knew. So I bought it. I didn't question it. And if you questioned it, then maybe you're watching the wrong movie. Or maybe you don't have a heart.
1: Hey.
3: Well, in which case,
0: maybe you're watching the wrong movie. <laughs>
3: So I loved watching Billy casually stroll by the police, uh, you know, getting the suitcase for Josh.
1: Oh, that was so funny. He looks so conspicuous. He tells the dog to shush.
0: (laughs) So what do they do? They jump on a bus and they go to uh, Manhattan.
1: Why was that their answer? He's like, you can hide out in the city for a few days. I'm like, why would your mind go there?
0: Uh, because it's new york and that's your set piece they check into a a really questionable hotel
1: saint james
0: saint <laughs> james and uh I, I billy gets him squared away gives him some money this that and the other and i think this is the moment where um tom hanks really Absolutely. really tugs at you right when Absolutely. he says oh, i don't want to stay here by myself and you know he's scared he's he's uh, he's 13 years old and he's in this strange place. He's away from home. And I think Tom Hanks sells it brilliantly when he's crying on the bed and just being
2: lonely. That's the, I think, the first scene. I mean, the rest of the stuff early on is funny and humorous and, you know, keeps the gag going. This is the first scene that you could feel that he really is a 13 year old trapped in an adult's body. One of the things I thought was interesting is Billy tells him early on, uh, he says, you know, how long can you stay out? And he says, well, I can stay out 10 before I need to be home. And you're thinking what parent lets a 13 year old out and about and, you know, wherever until 10 o'clock. But I guess there's an extra scene in the, uh, uh, like a recent DVD release or a DVD release. that There's a bunch of extra scenes that shows, you know, life at Billy's house. His family ignores him. Uh, they don't see when he comes and goes. He, at one point, serves them dinner, takes his plate and walks out, and nobody says anything. Nobody even notices him. So it kind of says, you know, Billy's home life isn't that great.
1: I could tell all that because one of the scenes where they're talking on the walkie-talkies at night and they're in their pajamas, Billy... He's wearing his tennis shoes. He's wearing his shoes, and he's in his PJs. Mm -hmm. That just totally was like, oh, home is not good. He's literally wearing shoes.
0: Well, when they said that, when he says that in the movie, I was thinking,
1: isn't it past
0: 10? And then I was thinking, who cares? It's a fucking movie.
2: I kept thinking there was all, you know, you're hearing these gunshots and everything outside. And Billy's actually outside trying to go home at this point. So he's walking through all that. He didn't seem to care. Yeah, he makes it. (laughs) I know, but I just think that's just good. You know, it's odd to think about. Good for him. Uh, So
0: uh, Billy and Josh figure out uh, where the Zoltar machine, or they're they're trying to figure out where the Zoltar machine is. They go down to the county courthouse and they start inquiring about it. And it turns out that it's going to take anywhere from a month to six weeks to get the information. So now what do you fucking do?
2: So their idea is to go get them a job.
0: Yeah. And so he uh, gets a job at the McMillan Toy Company.
1: How funny was it when he went in for the interview and he goes the lady goes you can leave your son out here and he goes okay sit down son. Yeah, so they,
2: they were in trouble. Him. They were they were playing it up for sure. Yeah. I, I have to say the first time I saw this movie and I saw his job especially when he got the vice president job, my first thought is that's what I want to do. I was looking at his outfit that he was wearing and I was like why is he wearing
3: such tacky oh Cause he probably went to Goodwill or some sort of a thrift store, and this is all clothes for two ninety nine or four ninety nine. I just oh, thought sure. his dad was a horrible
2: dresser.
0: That or uh, maybe Billy brought it for him, and Billy's dad was a horrible
2: dresser. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's kind of where I went. Cause Billy brought him the suitcase, right? So I thought it was Billy's dad's stuff. Mm-hmm. Billy's dad wakes up and goes, "Where the fuck is my blue jacket?"
2: I liked this job interview. I wish I had job interviews where it was so quick, and the guy's like, "Oh, you're hired. You start tomorrow." But did you notice? You know, again, going back to what 13-year-old boys are like, when Susan comes in to talk to the HR guy, which is odd that she would just bar- you know, barge in during an interview, uh, Billy leans back and looks at her butt. Yeah, I noticed that. And so I thought, yep, that's a 13-year-old boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, did, the, did his pen clicking remind you of anybody?
0: Oh, my God. As soon as I watched that, I'm like, oh, my God, there's fucking John.
1: Oh, I thought it was funny to watch an interview in a time where like no one checks anything. Like now when you get hired somewhere, people are going to Google you. Looked looked at you on LinkedIn. There was no Google in 1988. I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just different. And Susan
0: walks in with a what? She's smoking a fucking cigarette. When was the last oh. time you could smoke indoors? Yeah, I know. I thought of that 1988. Too. It's so, just
1: a different time.
0: Totally a different
2: time. Also a time when apparently, I guess sexual harassment wasn't a big issue. You know... Josh starts his day of work, and the first thing that one of the, you know, John Lovitz character, what was his name? John Lovitz. Yeah, Scotty he, Brennan. Scotty. Scotty basically says to him, "Is if you want to, you know, sleep with a woman, talk to her."
1: Oh no, he says, "Like it, she'll have your head, your legs wrapped around your neck," and then he goes, "I'll stay away from her." Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Lovitz is looking at him like,
1: "Are you fucking crazy?" Oh, my favorite is when he's getting seated at his desk, and he goes, "Bye." Yeah. (laughs) That looks like me.
0: Oh, my God. That's too funny.
1: I like how they tell him to slow down the work, too.
0: What are you doing? You're going to get us all fired. Yeah. And then um, he is running to make copies. Oh, yeah. He's sprinting. And he he bumps
3: into Robert Loggia and... But before that... Josh reaches out to his mom. How many times does he reach out to his mom? Oh, yeah, the phone call Twice, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so the first one is the phone call, and then the second one is the letter. And the phone call, I, I totally, totally dug the phone call in such a rich way, because when mom asks for proof and he starts singing the song, we have Scott sitting next door to him like, what the hell are you doing, type of look on his face. Yeah, yeah. But on the other side, we have mother sobbing her eyes out, and you have the juxtaposition of both of these things that are being so lighthearted on the one hand, but so serious and somber on the other end. I thought it was just a delightful, you know, blend of these two situations at the same time as he starts singing memories.
1: I love too how he's like, the mom is like, Oh, I'll tell Billy and I'll, or I'll tell Josh and then I'll say what Josh says and he never repeats it. So it's like, how would Josh have heard that? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then he just, he's like, can you think of something else? Like, cause he <laughs> can't remember the song.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was kind of at this point in the film where I was like, uh, I, we're not going to pay too much attention to Josh's family. And we're not going to see what they go through and, uh, which I thought was a smart decision because it's not really what the story is about. Mm-hmm. Did it exist? Probably. I mean, if it was in real life, that's, you know, kidnapping's kidnapping, but I'm, I'm happy that they didn't go into that because ultimately we knew and going into it, you had to have known you'd have a happy ending. So the, the filmmakers trusted us not to care uh, what's really going on with Josh's family they just know
3: the hell that they are going through
0: right they they uh they do it a point to i guess let the mom know in a little bit of at ease and i don't know if it works or not but it, for the audience it works um, and he says you know i'm okay or Josh's okay and he's going to come back soon we just got to figure something out
2: i don't maybe it's a little bit of the you know my pessimistic side but there's like a big difference of watching this when you're you know 10 years old 15 years old whatever versus you know 40 plus in that, you know, the first time I saw it, everything's believable. Everything, you know, just go with the flow watching it again, you know, just the other night I'm thinking, okay, so Josh has been kidnapped and this is the kidnapper talking to the mom. At this point, the FBI would have been brought in on the investigation, and they would be recording and tracking the call, trying to trace him. So they would trace it back to a work phone at the McMillan Toy Company, where they see the guy that the mom describes, and he would be arrested calling home like that. So... And it just seemed very odd. Then also I kept thinking about, you know, all the times we're seeing these funny things in the movie, this poor mom and dad are at home. Well, dad's off at work and you know, we don't see him much, but this poor mom's at home, just her heart worrying about her child.
3: So question in the next scene, we have that, uh, we have that Gene Hackman movie. Was that the French connection? It was the French connection. I was thinking that was the French connection. Yeah. And all the shooting and all the gunfire, he turns the TV off and then we hear the exact same thing coming through the window that he just turned off, and he's just
2: sitting there eating the Oreo cookie.
0: Yeah, he's just kind of adjusting to life in the flophouse.
2: One thing we can talk about is the bank scene. Um, I oh, lo- first yeah. of all, I love the reaction of Josh when he opens up his page. $187? Yeah,
1: it's
2: just that's such a
1: lot a- of money to a kid. Yeah,
2: that's a, that's a, you know, the first paycheck you know attitude until you figure out how much is taken out in taxes and then him and billy go to the bank they really
3: screw you over don't they
2: yeah <laughs> what'd you think of the bank scene where she basically says how do you want it and they both have to stand back and so they confer- have to funny. confer they confer yeah so it was funny. pretty funny
3: what did they ask for one
1: 100 hundred dollar bill 87 ones and two dimes
3: well sort of what did they ask for that's what i thought they asked for what, yeah, what? Did, what did they ask for? Clearly, you got the amount wrong. So it No, was... it's not the amount. They asked for three dimes, one $100 bill, and 87 ones. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Yeah. Why did they start with three dimes? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. Because they're kids.
2: Absolutely. absolutely. That's my point. And did you like the things that they spent the money on?
1: Oh, my God. I love Silly String.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they just had a good old time.
1: Yeah, and they've never had that money before, so I wasn't even mad that they spent it on a bunch of objective junk. It's like, it's so fun.
2: I guess the silly string scene, uh, Tom Hanks uh, and the two kids sat down in a room together and were just getting to know each other and getting along and talking about scenes, and they had the silly string, and they just started playing with it, and that's how they came up with what they were going to do in the movie.
0: Josh meets the company's owner, Mr. McMillan, at FAO Schwartz and impresses him with his insight into current toys and his childlike enthusiasm. They play a duet on a walking piano, and Macmillan invites Josh to a massive marketing campaign pitch meeting with senior executives. Unimpressed with the toy being pitched, Josh shocks and challenges the executive with a simple declaration that the toy is not fun. And while his follow-up suggestions invigorate the team for new ideas, he earns the animosity of Paul Davenport, the pitch leader. Meanwhile, a pleased Macmillan promotes Josh to vice president in charge of product development. He soon attracts the attention of Susan, a fellow executive, and a romance begins to develop, much to the dismay of her former boyfriend Davenport. Josh becomes increasingly entwined in his adult life by spending time with her, mingling with her friends, and being in a steady relationship. His ideas become valuable assets to the Macmillan toys. However, he begins to forget what it's like to be a child and his tight schedule now means that he no longer has time to be with Billy. Macmillan asks Josh to come up with a new proposal for a new line of toys. He is intimidated by the need to formulate the business aspects of the proposal, but Susan says that she will handle the business end while he comes up with the ideas. Nevertheless, he feels pressured and longs for his old life. When he expresses doubts to Susan and attempts to explain that he really is a child, she interprets this as a fear of commitment on his part and dismisses his explanation.
2: FAO Schwartz. Have you been there? Yeah. No. You've been to the one in New York? Yes.
1: You've been. Where? Mom said we used to go there all the time as kids.
3: FAO Schwartz?
2: Oh, probably the one in Bellevue Square. Yeah. Oh. The one in New York is, well, well, it was amazingly impressive, had the big piano and everything. Uh, unfortunately, they closed it. It's no longer there.
0: And did you know that specific piano was built for this movie? Mm-hmm.
2: It used to be smaller, and they, yeah. uh, they contacted F.O. E. Schwartz and had them build a bigger one.
0: And they wanted they had stunt dancers on on standby to get the close ups of the feet, but uh, Robert Loggia and Tom Hanks were doing such a good job that they just decided to go with them for the full thing. So every step that you see, all the movements is
2: actually Tom Hanks and
0: Robert Loggia, which is
2: amazingly impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, Great classic scene.
2: Did you notice though one of the errors? I think in the movie is and could just be chalked up to. He's a 13-year-old kid in a man's body, but he's carrying all those bags as they walk up to the piano. He sets his bag down, does the whole piano sequence. Then when he leaves, he never picks the bag up again.
0: Yeah,
1: he
2: was probably excited for just hanging out with the boss.
1: I read somewhere online that every time that they filmed that, uh, the director, Penny Marshall, I think, or someone on the set wanted them to do it like five times. like So it was like probably a workout for the old guy at least. Yeah. Like, because it's a. Robert
2: Loja.
0: Uh, what great arm wrestling movie did he play the villainous grandfather?
2: Oh, I can tell you, but does anybody else know the answer?
3: Well, Katie's not going to know it. Why would she know that? Because
2: it's an amazing movie. And hey, you are a bad father for not making her watch it. Bullshit. Well, t-
0: 20 bucks says he hasn't even seen it.
2: Why would I watch Over the Top?
0: Oh, he comes in like a fucking master. Why would you not watch Over the Top? This is the real question, my friend. <sighs> Oh, my God. Stallone in his prime? Are you fucking... You know what? That's a different topic for a different podcast at a a different time. Can
2: someone please suggest that movie on our website, com, so we can review that? And we'll bring Katie back for that one.
0: So when Macmillan uh, meets Josh at the toy store and they start walking around, you can tell that... Uh, his childlike uh, presence really rubs off on McMillan, and he and it kind of uh, reignites his passion for uh, for the toy business. And he really takes into heart what Josh has to say, in turn giving him a promotion and all of this stuff.
1: I think uh, he takes it seriously because he starts making those comments about that hockey game, and he has like actual feedback. Yeah, and then he's like, oh. I wonder why they, like, why they change? Like, I feel like in the meetings at the company, it's probably just, like, a lot of numbers, a lot of, like, focus groups said this, but he had, like, oh, why would they do that? Like, he simplified it so much.
0: Yeah, yeah, he like he, br- he brought it back down to basics, what yeah. it was, what the toy is really about.
2: Yeah. I, I think, especially with this FAO Schwartz scene and what we start seeing with Susan is it's kind of the, the, you know, the plot behind the movie is that Josh is teaching them all the joys of being young at heart.
0: I like the bit when they're in the board meeting and, you know, Josh just kind of says, you know, I don't get it.
1: Well, it's funny to watch him, like me watching that, you're watching him play with that toy while everyone's talking and the whole time I'm like, what is that thing? What is that thing? I don't know if you guys thought that way, but I'm like, what is he playing with? And so it was just so perfect that he's like, I don't get it because that's exactly what I thought. What
0: I loved about it was I knew that it was a transformer of some sort, but it didn't function right and i remember being 13 and playing with transformers and my autobot and decepticons got into some shit and if you couldn't move well then you know you weren't a good toy to play with and they i think they purposely did that and
2: you wouldn't want a big transforming building
0: if it moved better than that one Yeah, absolutely. But that one was clunky. It was like a GoBot. How about that?
2: I think the funny thing is then he pitches the insect robots or insects that turn into robots, which is funny because two years prior to that, Transformers came out with an insect robot line.
0: So after the boardroom scene, uh, we kind of get the feeling that, oh, there's the party. Right and Josh shows up and you know everyone oh, laughs at him. Oh
1: yeah, he doesn't even care. He, he thought well, his fly was down. Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. He's so naive to the uh, the way it works. He thinks that his fly is down. It's so cute when he checks, right? And I love then
1: when he's walking in and he goes, "Oh, hey, it's that guy from the meeting. Oh, yeah. it's my sister. I love it. I love it so much." Yeah.
3: But back to the boardroom, we are introduced to the primary antagonist of the movie paul paul really shines in his dickness because you know when we have josh saying i don't get it and well what don't you get it turns into a robot right precisely and then right after he does precisely he turns and he sticks out his tongue a little bit like got you on that one and then well what's funny about that and so we get to see him for the first time and then after that then we have the dinner party where he's a drunken, sl- you know, sloppy alcoholic, right? And then that we have the next morning in the car where he's just totally bitchy to Susan. And so I really like how we have these three quick moments where we get to see Paul being just a total douchebag, and you get that right away from John Heard, right? When when they first when when they first run into each other, yeah, yeah, and when he leaves, he he gives him that scowly look. Yeah,
0: and and he has few scenes, but he makes the most with those scenes, and we know right away that this
2: dude's just a typical asshole
3: Bob's office Bob's office is bigger than mine
2: yeah he's already complaining but what about Susan earlier on um first of all you see her in our first introduction to her is to come in and complain about her assistant then later on you know we see that she's obviously either living with Paul or you know she's dating him obviously but you know he's there in the morning with her she he has a toothbrush at her place after the party he brings with the fact that she has slept her way up to that position because she slept with just about everybody in the office, especially the one that she he names. And then she's like, can't believe you named him. After naming what six or seven other guys that she slept with. So my first impression of her was she's not a good person at all. She's just as bad as
3: Paul. And that's why it's in there for us. Because right. she is just as much like Paul.
0: Right. And she has an arc. And I feel like at the end of the movie, she's not that person anymore.
2: Well, did you notice what they did with her clothing throughout the movie? And her hair. And her hair. That uh, starting the beginning, she's all business and kind of dark colors and, you know, very, very, you know, just that Susan character. But as the movie goes on, and as her inner child comes out, she starts to dress more like a youthful person, a more energetic, happy person.
0: Yeah, and it all starts with this party because she uh, sees Josh eating, and there's that famous scene where he's at the buffet table uh, tasting everything, and then he does the bit with the baby corn, which (laughs) he improvised, (laughs) yeah. I love that. Um, And then she comes over, and they eat beluga. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm-hmm. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And then uh, he doesn't like caviar. Have you guys ever had caviar?
2: I have. When I was in Russia, I tried it, and it is absolutely horrible.
3: It is a very, very strong taste. Yeah. Do you know why it's such a strong taste that people enjoy it so much? Why is that? Because it is such a strong taste. The older we get, the less our taste buds, the less our senses are as acute and sharp as we were when we are younger. Oh. So older people have a tendency to appreciate it because their senses are not as crisp as they were when they were young. So so they choose to have a stronger taste.
2: So Don, basically that's what we have to look forward to when we get to the professor's age.
0: Fuck that dude. I'm not going gracefully. So, uh, she asks him, you know,
3: you want to get out of here?
0: Yeah. And though they take off and they go in the limo.
1: I love him in the limo. He's pressing all the buttons. He's doing every, Oh, do you want these fries? We don't want them. Yeah.
2: Even at my age, I would have done everything he did in the limo
0: yeah absolutely you know and uh clearly it was his first time in the limo and she's trying to be cool and trying to hit on him really but then she kind of figures out that it's you know maybe more difficult than she thought uh they get back to his place and um you know this this line is is funny she says well i i do want to spend the night with you and i was thinking wow that was quick and then um he says, you mean like a sleepover?
1: Yeah.
3: I, I got to say the apartment is a pivotal scene for the movie that is really uh, drives the relationship home well, that yeah. these
2: two have. But you have to continue. What was his line after that?
1: Oh, yeah. I get. I call Top. And I
2: loved her expression when he said that.
1: I yeah. loved you when he walks in and he just flings his coat over there, like, and he just gets on the trampoline. And, and he's got
0: a big Gumby chair and yeah. a Pepsi I
2: love the uh, chair. So <laughs> dispenser. Katie, as you know a female walking into that with a gentleman and you see, he's got pinball machines and all these kids toys in there. What would have been your first thought?
1: I did think about that. I'm like, what would I think if I went home with someone and that was the only thing that bothered me was the bunk bed. I wouldn't care if I went to someone's apartment and they had all those toys, but if they had a bunk bed, I'd be like, why, why is there a bunk bed?
0: Why would you, why would you care?
1: Uh, Well, because it's just like, well, I don't know. I guess it just bothers me. It's that they don't act like an adult in bed.
2: How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's also. Professor,
0: like- I'm going to turn off your headphones for a little bit. We're going to get into a conversation here. Earmuffs. I,
2: I think any healthy person date- with a dating life has to watch out for red flags. I mean, that's just an honest thing in our society. And I think my impression, if I walked in and saw all this stuff, was either he is very, very young at heart, where he's very, very childlike. Or he seems to be luring children to this place to come play with his toys. It's like, why you know, come, come play there? with the puppies and the I candy know. in my van. His, and his, I
1: walked in, I'm like, oh, this person likes to have fun.
2: Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, that's what he, he is. And a that's very why you jaded, need to be worried professor.
0: He's a very jaded, bitter
2: individual. And I
0: can't understand why.
2: Because, so. because there were no puppies when I went in that van.
3: This whole little time where we are in the limo and he's playing around with the radio and Billy Idol's hot in the city comes on and then he's up through the roof and then she goes up to the roof and we see her smile for the first time for just a moment before they get knocked back down and then it's up into the apartment and she just doesn't know what to expect. I, I love that camera shot that Penny gives us When Susan is standing there and we see the Godzilla inflatable toy and Susan turns her head to face the inflatable toy. Looks so good right there. And then we get to the trampoline and love, love what we get with the trampoline. She wants nothing to do with the trampoline and he drags her onto the trampoline. And then, there I jump. No, you got to do it. No, you got to get higher. You got to get some air under you. Okay. There, there I did. Now can we go get a drink? And then finally, finally, and and as soon as we get in there, you know, we have the forget me not song playing. And it just it just cues it up so beautifully that by the time we get the outside shot, that's right when the saxophone kicks in and we watch them gleefully bouncing up and down in that fifty foot high apartment place. Oh my gosh, so beautifully done.
2: I, I have to admit, I didn't I don't know if I've ever heard the forget me not song. So my first thought was, and I think a lot of people, is is that the Men in Black song in the background? Well, you know, uh,
3: Barry Sonnenfeld, he was the uh, cinematographer for this. He directed all the Men in Black movies.
0: So Susan spends the night, and then uh, the next day, uh, her and Paul are in the car, so oh, she wait, must- are
1: we not going to talk about how he gives her that little... Uh- uh, the ring, the oh. compass ring, so you don't get lost. Like, I lost where?
3: <laughs> but that was so
2: tender. That was a it was very a cute moment. scene. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was. cute. I
2: think that was one of those where you could see the expression on her first face all of a sudden change, and she started to get him. She, I could
1: yeah. tell. Uh, I could tell she was still annoyed, and when she went to close her eyes.
2: And, and yes, and yes, it was a compass.
3: So it's like pointing the way that she can change. And then the next morning, we're in the car, and Paul, he's all gritchy. She starts playing with the radio, and then it's hot in the city, Billy Idol again. And that takes her back to how much fun she had with him and how unfun
2: Paul is. I think, again, kind of you brought it up earlier, Paul kind of represents like her old life. And I think you know now that this inner child of hers is coming back out again, that she doesn't want to go back to... You know the the bitchy complaining, you know, suspicious of everything style that Paul is, and what he represents.
0: Uh, is this where Paul and Josh go play racquetball? Right after w- that, yeah. Well,
3: it's paddleball, not racquetball. Oh, like,
0: for fuck's sake!s
3: It's ball ball. It's, it, nice. it's called paddleball. Oh fuck! I did it again. Wait, why why can't we play basketball? My my best sports video hockey.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. As they're walking along, <laughs> and it's almost like a kid annoying a dad.
3: Yeah. Right. Well, it has it, for it to be a sport you have to sweat. Well, what about golf? You don't sweat in golf. Right. <laughs> well, what about car racing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so they start to play paddle ball and uh racquetball. Yeah, either or. It, there's a ball and something you
3: hit it with. And <laughs> um yeah. you throw the ball, you catch, catch the, the ball, ball
2: you, you hit, hit the ball. ball. I but, love their fight. Yeah. It's so oh, good. It's so good. Did you like how during their whole fight scene, that nobody comes in to stop them? Everyone just starts getting around the fenced area and watching them
3: because it's not really a fight. So they're not being no. Like, violent. No,
2: it, it's it's a thirty to forty year old man really beating up on a thirteen year old kid. That's not what it looked like to me. That's but that's how what, probably Josh took it. No, Josh
0: was just trying to keep the ball away from him. That's all. He was just being defiant. Because, I mean, he broke his own rule. The guy cheated. Yeah, for sure. And Josh was calling him out on that. Because as a kid, you're going to call him out, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, uh, Paul obviously does not like Josh at all. So
3: now he has good reason to. Right. Well, he's a threat. And and then we get a a wonderful explanation of who Paul is when Susan is tending to Josh's wounds.
0: Time goes on, and... um, Josh is working at the company and his relationship with Susan is progressing and he's getting into the flow of becoming an adult.
3: And then this is where things shift. It's Josh's birthday party. This is where things shift, where he really starts leaving Billy behind and being a child behind because eventually he does end up with Susan. And then the next time we see them together, it's at the dinner party and he's wearing the fancy suit. Right. Right.
0: So he's... um Making that change. Making that change.
2: Yep, and then he goes off and helps uh, the, the kid with his math, which I think really, again...
1: I thought it was funny because during the yeah. dinner, you can hear them be like, he's failed everything. We've tried tutors and 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 everything. And I'm like, you're ignoring your child. Of course they're going to do poorly.
0: Yeah, of course. It's just common sense, mm-hmm. right? So and then he goes in and he puts the math into terms that the kid understands. Mm-hmm. You know, if bird catches... or. If,
3: Bird hits. If Bird gets ten points in the first quarter, how many points will he get in the whole game? Right, forty. Uh, well, probably,
2: and that's algebra. Yeah. Regarding the scene where it's the first time that Josh and Susan gets together, and he gets to see her flowers, what did you think of how they handled that scene?
0: Uh, I thought that was one of the scenes that it could have it could have gone a couple of different ways, but the way it went. Um, there was a tenderness about it and there was, uh, I would assume that Susan knew that this was Josh's first time and, you know, Susan's been around clearly. So apparently, yeah. so, um, I thought that Penny Marshall handled this scene, uh, tastefully.
2: Originally, I guess the script called for her to be brawless and I believe it was, uh, the actress's idea to let's put a bra on her. Otherwise it's just going to be a little too creepy the way yeah. that he kind of reacted
3: yeah
1: katie I like, how I, I like how he wanted to keep the lights on
2: oh my god i was laughing
3: <laughs> I so hard <laughs> yes so katie what did you think of this scene did it did it make you uncomfortable no don watching this scene did it make you uncomfortable
0: not at all like i said i thought it was a tender moment
3: john watching the scene did it make you uncomfortable
2: no honestly uh if you're going to look at the creep factor of it, if you're going to forget all that, no, it's a really well done scene. And the impression you get is this really is someone who's never done this before. Who's, you know, excited you know for the first time to have any kind of opportunity like this so i thought it was just it was a well-done shot and we know what happened without having to see it so that's i also like that in movies where we don't need to see the gratuitous scenes or anything weird or you know creepy or odd we know what happened now do you know why i referred to it as flowers because that's what he said uh, in oh, the, him and Billy in the beginning. In the beginning, yeah, when they right. talked about looking down the teacher's shirt, he mentioned that she was wearing a bra and you could see her flowers.
0: So now continuing his adult life, uh, McMillan wants him to come up with a video game, and he has actually a really good idea, but he doesn't know the business aspect of it. And so Susan says, I'll help you. You know, we're a couple.
3: Come on, it'll be neat.
0: Yeah, and she uses the word neat, which he uses too. I, I noticed that last night when I watched it. Um, So she is changing and she is, I guess, trying to be a better person. And, um, you know, in the meantime, uh, Billy,
3: Billy gets the envelope and now they can track down the Zoltar machine. And he is
0: so excited, you know, and he goes in there and he goes to tell Josh, and Josh basically tells him to fuck off.
3: He's too busy.
0: Right, and so Billy essentially says, fuck you. Who and the fuck do you
2: think you are? Yeah, and
0: it's the one F-bomb, and, and I forgot
2: that it was there, so it was well used. But, but that's the way kids talk in New Jersey.
0: That's where, the way kids
3: talk
2: everywhere. Yeah.
3: You don't get it. This is important. And then what does he say when he leaves?
1: And oh, I'm three oh, mu- oh, yeah. I'm three months older than you, asshole. And the assistant was oh, so yeah. confused. <laughs> that was
3: and great. And I'm three months older than you,
0: asshole. Yeah, he lets him fucking have it. And I remember thinking, he's a real best friend. You know, he he's the man. He's the man.
3: Then we get a montage. Montage? Montage. Montage. Potato. Potato. We get to see Josh. Man, to be 13 again.
0: Yeah, oh, and yeah. and and this this part was kind of funny too because watching it last night, I mean, he's standing there watching these graduates, and he's just kind of just in, a trench, in kids, a trench coat, in a trench coat, playing in
3: the league. Yeah, and
0: and and I understand, I understand uh, what Penny Marshall is trying to convey and the sentiment that she's trying to come across, but I will admit, for one nano of a second, I thought, oh, that was weird, him in a trench coat. But then I'm right back into
2: it. Well, well I, I kept think. thinking, oh, I'm sorry, going.
1: I was just going to say they should have done him looking at old pictures or something.
2: Oh, now you're the filmmaker? (laughs) My thought was, as you were saying, Don, that he's in this trench coat and he's watching all these kids and things happening. And at the same time, the back of my head is, aren't the police out looking for this guy? And he's around oh, town in a yeah. trench coat looking at kids. Yeah. Well, see, I, I I let go of the police, FBI bit long, long ago. time ago because that's not what the story so is So about. you never Same. gave a second threat to them No, all. no, no. No, that's not. Because how- that's, not, that's not what the story was mm. about. That, that was not the story. See, I'd love for them to remake the movie from her vantage point.
0: So Josh is feeling the pressure and he decides to try and come clean to Susan, which naturally she takes it as a metaphor as opposed to actually what's really going on and the whole fear of commitment trope kind of comes in and you know he he's kind of uh stuck between a rock and a hard place and so i mean
2: and who who you know who among us has not used that excuse to get out of a relationship i'm just too young to be committed (laughs) as i said you know before my first divorce do we want to talk about the the electronic comic book is a metaphor
3: no we're not there yet i thought that's well, they yeah, talked about, they yeah, talk, yeah, we're when here. they are
2: talking about building it, and he's talking with Susan about uh, what's it going to do and all that, and he basically said, you know, you're going to be able to make a choice where you can do this or that, and the whole thing is a metaphor for him making his choice.
0: That's good stuff. That, that's <laughs> gold right there. I'm going to fucking loop that shit. You are welcome. Josh learns from Billy that the Zoltar machine is now at Seapoint Park, and he leaves in the middle of his presentation. Susan also leaves and encounters Billy, who tells her where Josh went. At the park, Josh finds the machine, unplugs it, and makes a wish to become a kid again. He is then confronted by Susan for running off, but, upon seeing the machine and the fortune it has given him, realizes that he was telling the truth, and she becomes despondent at realizing their relationship would end. He tells her that he enjoyed their time together and suggests that she use the machine to wish herself younger though she declines and offers to take him home after sharing an emotional goodbye with susan josh transforms into a kid again as he walks away and susan witnessing this before he reunites with his family and billy roll credits so he decides that he doesn't want to be big anymore how many times have you woken up in the morning and said i don't want to be an adult anymore
1: so many times every
2: time something aches something cracks something hurts
0: every
1: time i have to get them go
0: to fucking work i'm like fuck i don't want to
1: do
2: this i don't mind my job so much
0: well dude you roll out of bed and log on
2: yeah basically yeah
0: see not that fucking hard let me ask someone with a real job katie um no i'm just kidding
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't like going to class though
0: yeah well it's for the greater good the The greater greater good. good So Josh goes to the Zoltar machine, and Susan follows him. And uh, I thought it was really smart of Josh to look to see if it was plugged in or not. Because mm-hmm. he, he had to recreate it uh, in a way yeah. exactly the way it happened before. Mm-hmm. And I meant to bring this up uh, an hour and 49 minutes ago. but Oh, for
3: fuck's sake. This, you know what this does for editing?
0: This does. This movie is not the first movie to deal with body swapping. Right? We've seen it a hundred times. Freaky Friday. Vice versa. Um, 13 going on 30. 13 going on 30. 18 again. 18 again.
1: 17 again.
0: It goes on and on and on, right? Uh, So we have to have the moment where it has to be just like before in order for him to switch back. So I thought it was a nice touch that he had to unplug the Zoltar machine.
2: And smack it around again.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. He had to smack it around again. So he does it. He makes his wish and then... And then Susan comes and says, or they notice each other right after he makes his wish, right? Mm-hmm. So it's too late, you know. But it, it's at this point where Susan believes. And I guess you would have to believe in magic in, if any of this were to make sense to anybody,
2: right? So, but I think that's also part of the inner child because, you know, young children believe in that. And so the fact that she's embracing her inner child, she can now embrace that there is actually magic in the world. I got a question for Katie. You find a guy, you're head over heels with him. You find out that really magic made him go from a 13 year old to a 30 year old, and now he's going back to a 13 year old. And he says, Why don't you become younger too? Would you?
1: Oh, uh, probably.
2: I think the answer that Susan gives is brilliant.
1: Yeah, it's perfect.
2: Which uh, is, I've already done it. And yeah, you no don't
0: need har- hey to relive it. Right. It was hard enough once. Yeah. I can't imagine doing it twice. Yeah. And I think that goes for both sides, both uh, girls and boys. Yeah, You know, I don't think I would want to go through adolescence again. So, you know, they have their conversation and he says, do you want to be younger? She says, no, but I'll give you a ride home, which I thought was a nice tender moment as well. And she, she takes him home. They look at the house and they, and they have this, this other moment that I thought was really, uh, really heartfelt. Um, you know, they're saying their goodbyes and Tom Hanks goes in for a kiss and now
2: that she knows that
0: he's 13 years old, she does the right thing and she kisses him on the forehead.
2: Did you know that the script she was supposed to kiss him? It was Elizabeth Perkins idea to kiss him on the forehead. It was
0: perfect. It was a perfect idea.
2: So Uh, kudos to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And it works so well. He gets out of the car and he walks uh, over to his house. And for some reason in my head, I thought I remember leaves falling. And then he is the kid again. But no, he just turns. So did she watch him morph
3: into a little kid? We watch her watching him morph. Right, but what is she seeing? I think that she's seeing him shrink. She is seeing magic.
2: Yeah.
0: Fucking crazy,
3: right? There's probably a lot of little sparkles. Probably. and and, As opposed
0: to the wind and rain and lightning uh, making him big.
3: and, And the music swells oh so beautifully and... I, by the time, you know, they finally part ways, I had a tear rolling down my cheek, even though I've seen this movie several times.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Katie,
3: Katie. did did you ever have a tear? Uh, yeah. John, did you tear <laughs> at all in I'd this ha- movie? I'd
2: have to have a heart to really feel bad, so Ooh. no.
0: It's, it's cute that you ask him those questions.
2: What about you? Did you have a tear? Close, but no, it, it didn't. Um, I might have to think yeah. the first time I saw it, maybe thought something, but... No, I've seen it so many times that I don't think yeah. it really hit me. Wait, um, you've seen it? I I actually had more not so much emotion of, you know, hurt, you know, them two not working out, of him coming home and saying, "Ma, I'm home," and her yelling out his name. I think that got me more worked up than anything. And I loved the bit
0: the front door is still not locked. Mm-hmm. He walks right I loved,
1: in. I loved how he left the shoes on the street, too. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, good ending. And, you know, it, it's the end of that fairy tale. You know, and when the credits roll, that's the end of the movie. Nothing after that
3: matters. And right before that, what do we get when we end the movie? We get Josh and Billy back together again. And now life resumes as it's supposed to. The end.
2: There are some unanswered questions this movie leaves out there. All no, mo-
3: not. All movies have,
2: you know, open ends. And this may be because I'm tainted by all the murder shows I've been forced to watch over the years. But think about it this way. It, you know, when you're thinking about this movie, Josh runs out of that executive board meeting in a panic. He just leaves the meeting. Then Susan shortly follows after him. And you can see that she's emotional when she follows after him. Right after that, Josh disappears. If the police investigate, they see he's still got his apartment fully furnished. He's left a well, high-paying job, just disappeared after this emotional appeal of them leaving. Wouldn't you think the police, their first suspect, is going to be that Susan did something to him? I didn't think about that at all. I think Paul would have basically said, oh, yeah, she did it. She knocked him off. So I think there's that. I also think, again, I talked about earlier, the FBI would have been brought in on this investigation. So, the moment that Josh walked in that door, don't you think that the FBI might have had some questions for him? And, you know, where have you been? You know, what's been going on all this time? What happened to you? Is he in denial about things that might have happened? He claimed in the letter it was like summer camp. What kind of hell summer camp was he at? You know, things like that. So, they're going to investigate that and they're going to be looking for this guy who kidnapped him at the same time that there's been this guy working at a toy company named Josh, same exact name. Um, So they might connect that up and say, this guy kidnapped this boy, pretended to be him at a job. And now maybe Susan found out about it and knocked his ass off. Look,
3: what was on the milk carton? Uh, What was on the milk carton?
2: Josh with a wrong birth date.
3: No, it no, it was not a wrong birth date.
2: Yes, it was because they no, said his birthday at a no, different time. No. 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 It said missing, and that was the date. No, they also had if you looked at the lower part, it said his birth date on it. And if you I did not, up, I did not see birth date on it. If you go back and watch it, it's been actually brought Regardless, up on the
3: Regardless, you have missing. Mm-hmm. Why is missing? You know what those usually are? Runaways. Josh is a 13-year-old kid. More often than not, police don't have any serious evidence to go off of. Except the kidnapper called her. Once again, what what almost always happens, if police don't have anything firm, anything to go off of, he probably just
2: ran away. Well, first of all, the evidence they had was a grown man was in the house who knew stuff about Josh and fled the house the same day Josh? We disappeared. have a grown man that went into the house
3: and confronted her. Yeah. And then second of all, so Josh he, So she called mom sees him walk into the house. That's the first time she sees him. Yeah. She she doesn't see
2: him when he's upstairs. There's plenty of evidence that he's been kidnapped. No, there is not. But what about when he calls and says I'm the kidnapper? That is the only thing there is. That and is then Josh plenty, writes a letter but that saying is, he's been kidnapped. But that is not plenty of evidence. You don't think any of those are evidence?
3: Most likely, I think think the police are looking at it as a runaway.
2: I don't think so at all. I I think that whoever
0: came up with this uh, has too much time on their hands. And it doesn't fucking matter because it never fucking happened that way. And the story was not meant to go in that direction. So you can say that about any movie you want,
2: and that's fine. But, I mean... Well, for one, I don't fucking care. Well, the professor brings up an idea. Was there evidence? Was it that Josh was kidnapped or was it that Josh ran away? It wasn't part of the story, so I don't care. They brought it up several times when she's talking to the police about it. Sorry, let me, let, me, let
0: me rephrase that. It wasn't the focus of the story, so it doesn't matter.
2: But I think it's an interesting point. And some of our listeners may as well. Yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I used to control so much in high school. I'd say that when teachers would argue with students. I'd be in the corner. <laughs> and they'd <completely> be like, <laughs> they Katie, knock it off. Yeah, yeah, they do.
0: You get detention. Do you have to go to the breakfast club? Yeah. You were totally clear.
2: Uh, so, what do you guys think? Are you guys ready to rate this bitch? Oh, not yet. Why is that? Because I have not made my connection to Lord of the Rings. Oh, brother. And now it's time for John's. My
0: precious! moment.
2: As always, I have a theory that every movie seems to relate to Lord of the Rings. Big is no exception. If you look at this movie and you say, wait a minute, who's Frodo? Who's Sam? Well, that's easy. We got Josh and Billy. We got Frodo and, and Josh. We got Sam and Billy because Billy's such a great helper in this movie. Now, the hard part was trying to figure out what is the precious what is the thing that they desire most that has power over them but ultimately is a corrupting factor so i had to stop and think about it and i came up with that it was josh's desire to be big to be older to be an adult to lose that child you know nature that's within him and as an adult he learns to be appreciate you know to appreciate the child aspect to appreciate growing up and the fact that he missed that. So in seeking out his precious and seeking out getting older, you know, he started to get corrupted. He started to lose that child. And it was Billy's help. It was Sam that brought him back to rational, you know, rationality into thinking, you know, realizing what he's lost. So when he goes back to Zoltar, and makes the wish to be a child again. That was like casting off the ring into Mount Doom because he was giving up that precious, giving up everything that he had attained as the adult version of Josh to go back to his innocent, childlike nature. So, that is my review of how this movie connects up to Lord of the Rings. Professor, weak. <sighs> uh,
0: did you like it? Yeah. What did you like about it?
1: I liked how much effort he put into it. <laughs> <laughs> that, did, did I sound like I knew what
2: I was talking about? Yeah. Uh, um, I, I wouldn't say weak. You I, gave my I, last I, one with a C. Yeah,
0: I think that's probably the. I think that's. The most original one you've had yet You got that going for you uh, So if I were to give this a letter grade I would give this a B minus
2: B minus, I'm going up Yeah, there you go
0: What do you got? You said weak, so
3: mm-hmm. A weak C minus Oh wow,
0: that's almost a D And we all know how much John likes the D And that was John's moment All right, so what do you guys think? Should we rate this bitch? I guess we could rate this bitch. Hey, Professor, how do we do our ratings?
3: We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that is cinematic gold. It is something you are ready to watch at the drop of a hat anytime you want. Yeah, I'll watch that. One Fuck is a movie that's one and done. You've seen it, and you don't ever want to see it again. It's just not worth your time.
0: And what would be a zero fuck, sir?
3: Zero fucks are somebody owes me two hours of my life back. You know what? Fuck you for making me watch that.
0: In other words, we just don't give a fuck.
3: Uh, so
0: who wants to go first? Get not it. it. You go first.
3: All right. So the movie Big. When I saw this movie in the theater, I... I was so impressed, and and it was such a delightful watch, and I had watched it several times since seeing it in the theater. And like I said, it's been several years since I've seen it, but I have to say, watching it with a more discerning eye, I am even more impressed in watching it than what I got when I watched it the last time around. I, I think that Penny Marshall's directing job with this movie was done very well. Our early camera shots we get of... Josh when he's walking along they are there are several low angle camera shots where we are looking up and it if, if not up at the very least you know we are at his height and i feel like it is it is foreshadowing that he is going to be big and so as he gets to be an adult all of the crazy antics that he goes through tom hanks is spectacular in this role i think that he does so so well in uh, having that childhood innocence shine through. The tone of the movie, I I think, is just so light and fun. I really adored the mother when she is just freaking out of grown-up Josh. You know, don't hurt me. And then all of a sudden she just turns and instantly she's going after him with a knife. It's just, oh my gosh. There were so many times I, I, I cracked up during the movie. I loved... At Josh's apartment, uh, the trampoline scene. I, I, um, I, I love how the the movie moves through uh, all of these different emotions that that uh, Josh is going through, and and when um, that moment when Susan is tending to Josh's wounds, and uh, you know, well, you're a nice person. Oh, you don't know me. You don't know me, and he gives the, yes, I do. You know, I, I just. Just so simple, but I thought it was just delivered so nicely. And then right when that's happening, you know, the music comes in. And, and this is what I also dug so much about. The movie was, you know, the music just works so well. You know, when he says that, yes, I do. You know, it, it starts out with a flute, then it transitions to a guitar, and it transitions to a piano. And, and then, you know, she is completely disarmed, disarmed by him. And, and she's like, you know, how do you do it? You know, I I just, there are so many wonderfully tender moments and I am so happy the way that the movie ends where, you know, the the story closes the way that it has to close, which is they have to go back to their separate lives. And Billy, what a great best friend, dug his role so so much. And so I, I really enjoyed watching the movie again. I laughed when I watched it many times. This movie is a solid four fucks. Four fucks from the professor.
0: I'll go next. Oh, you go next. Thank you. Tom Hanks is at the start of his phenomenal career with Big. He was about to become who eventually we would know him as, one of the biggest stars in the world. It's not one of my favorite roles, but you can see just how good he is in it. His performance as a 13-year-old in a 30-year-old's body was played with a tenderness that we could relate with, and immediately we are rooting for young Josh. When he is scared and lonely, we feel it. When he is excited and naive, we buy it because of how Hanks plays the character. The rest of the cast has their parts to play. And I think they all played them with heart without a doubt. This movie does have heart and you can tell that the filmmakers took care in bringing that to the screen. What I liked, the story was simple, though copied multiple times in different films. I felt big told the same story in its own way. And Hanks performance along with the rest of the cast made it feel more original than it was. Uh, The cast was good and believable. When Josh realizes he wants to go back to being a kid and the realization on Susan's face, there is a tender moment and it's played very well by Hanks and Perkins. Howard Shore's score is whimsical and at times you can't help but smile. Penny Marshall's direction is sound and proved that she was the right person for this movie. The movie isn't without its fault, though not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. But what it lacks in realistic situations or plot holes, it makes up for with its characters, pacing, and score. What I didn't like. And it's not that I didn't like it. These are more of nitpicks as opposed to not liking the film. Uh, Things like, how did Josh get the job so quickly? How was he able to open a bank account without ID? I mean, the VP job came out of nothing. And as we talked about it earlier, all the whole cop shenanigans. Sometimes you just have to chuck it up to movie convenience or just accept it because that's how it was written. Movies ask their audience to suspend their disbelief and be carried away to another time and place. Movies are meant to be magic. Sure, you can look for hidden meanings and you can try and guess what the filmmakers are trying to say and sometimes put meanings on movies that were never meant to be there. But at the end of the day, does any of that make the movie better or worse? I guess it would have to be up to the individual who is watching and how the movie speaks to them specifically. Watching these older films with the goggles of today can sometimes be distracting. However, you must decide if that is going to sway your opinion one way or another. There are plenty of older films that just don't hold up, but I would argue that Big holds up just fine. Don't read too much into it and enjoy it for what it is. I can say that I did enjoy it and that's why I'm giving Big three fucks.
2: Okay. I would like to go next. By all means. Please do. So the first thing I want to say is, as you said, Don, Penny Marshall did an amazing job with this movie. She actually was, it was brought up to her a lot of times to make specific changes to the movie. One of them was to make Josh a girl who becomes a 30-year-old adult. There was also, you know, advice of, you know, to have Elizabeth Perkins go brawless. there were a lot of changes that came up to her. And she stuck to her guns, kept to what the story was and what her vision was. And I think it came out as a brilliant comedy, a brilliant fun ride. Um, so again, like I said, the whole point of the movie was to be whimsical and to give you that childlike you know, nature of the movie of, you know, being a child at heart, and it delivered. It did well based off of Penny Marshall's, you know, vision of this movie. And you can't complain about Tom Hanks. He did such a great job and was very believable in his role of being a 13-year-old trapped in a man's body, in an adult's body. He delivered it. You could believe it. You could, I mean, I don't, again, we talked about it earlier. I don't know who could have, done that role as well as he did in that movie. The only person I can think of is Robin Williams, but then I think it would have become out too childlike. It would have come out like a five or four year old, uh, in a, you know, adult's body versus that 13 year old dealing with 13 year old issues and hormones and all of that. So that I thought they did fantastic. The script and the storyline of what was going on in this movie is where it starts to have some issues with me. And again, the first time I saw this movie, I never thought about any of these things because I was young and it was just a fun, fun comedy. But Don, you brought up the fact of, you know, when there's a lot of uh, things that they ask you to accept, does this movie ask you to accept too many things? And I felt like you know, one or two or three things, you can overlook those things. But it just kept going. There were so many things like, you know, this poor mother at home who's desperate to get her child back, a police investigation going on. You brought up a great talking about the bank scene where he was able to do that without, you know, uh, he was basically able to open up a bank account or cash a check without any kind of ID. He gives a fake social security number when he gets the job. And no one ever notice that even though he's obviously getting several paychecks, nobody ever notices that he's, you know, nobody flags it, that that's not a real social security number. So it's little things like that, that, you know, you have to choose to accept the fact that, you know, he became an adult overnight after a storm, but he becomes a child again instantly at the end of the movie. So, you know, that's where it starts to fall a little bit. My rating seems to fall a little bit. When I go back to the subject portrayal again, Did this movie hit its mark of showing, you know, that we all need to tap into our inner child? And yes, hit the mark. So, again, they did a fantastic job with that. Did I enjoy the movie? Uh, I enjoyed Tom Hanks in this movie. I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as, you know, this viewing versus maybe 10 viewings ago. But Tom Hanks, again, always my favorite, always does a fantastic job. And again, delivered in this movie. Now, then comes my question of the rewatchability as well as would I recommend this to people? And that's where I struggle a little bit. When you've seen the movie many, many times and the jokes, you know, some of them are still funny, but then you start, like I said, you start getting critical of the movie. It hurts the enjoyment factor. So when it comes to rewatchability, it's one of those movies that, eh, I could take or leave it. I don't know if I'd want to rush out and watch the movie again. Um, I don't even know if I would recommend this to friends, maybe some friends, but I feel like a lot of people in this day and age might take more out of the movie and might be a little bit more critical of the movie, might not enjoy it as much. I think it's a great movie for the younger audience, who maybe is not as cynical as I can be, uh, but otherwise not a high score there for me. So when I kind of average that all together in my head and decide what is my overall rating of this movie? Originally, I was leaning towards, eh, I can you know, take it or leave it, you know, so maybe a 2.5, but really, you guys have convinced me there are a lot of things that I didn't think about in this movie, and it does remind me of my inner child and the fact of that when you really appreciate what this movie was going for and how they hit their mark, I've got to give it a little bit of higher rating, so I'm going to go with a 3.0 in this movie. The Professor gives
0: it four, folks. I give it three fucks. You give it a 3.0. And
3: Katie, you're up.
1: I will probably give it a 4.5 or a 5.
3: And that's it. Okay.
1: All right. That's fantastic. You know what? That's my
3: favorite
0: review yet.
1: I wrote a few things.
0: Okay. Well, fire away.
1: Okay. I thought the movie was funny. I loved when he was riding that horse in pale Schwartz and his hand is up. It's so unnecessary. And then there's people walking and he's just like, going. And then when he's playing with the toy guns and he dies and he's like...
2: Laser tag. He, 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 he's
1: twitching,
3: twitching on the ground. Yeah.
1: So it's funny. Like Not that many movies can make me laugh out loud versus just a chuckle or a smile, but that one just gets me. And I love how like it's it is a 12 or 13 year old in a 30 year old's body and he just gets with the program so fast like he shows up in the office and he's just like going on the computer he's sitting in a swivel chair I'm like 12 hours ago he was like having an identity crisis and now he's like oh I guess I'm at work now like he just flips a switch so that is just funny to me and I love just yeah the inner childlike stuff like saying hi to everyone in the office at the party and then like saying bye to everyone like when he's leaving uh when the guy drops him off at his desk and like just being so friendly like I just it just like it the overall message about life is like why take it so seriously why not be nice like that why not be cooperative and and have simple ideas like it doesn't have to be that complicated so and i don't know if i just watched it at the right time but it's just i just like the overall message that like you don't need to take everything so seriously
0: now comes the time in our podcast where we would select our next film however our calendar is filling up and we have some movies to review if you would like to know which movie we are going to review next john tell them how they can do that
2: well, they will have to go to our website, threeguysinaflick.com. You can also find our podcast information on all social media, and you can find where our podcast is hosted on any of the podcasting hosting sites. So that's going to wrap it up for this
0: episode of Three Guys in a Flick. I just want to thank Katie for coming back and having this conversation with us. Did you have a good time? Yes. I want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill, who always listen. So for Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. I'm Ken.
1: And I'm Katie. Thanks for listening.
0: Oh, for the cord. Yeah, what did you think it was for? Oh, I thought he
1: was trying to get me so I could press all the buttons.
0: No, what? (laughs) why would I? I
1: genuinely
0: thought
2: that's what he was doing. Why would I
0: give control of the board to you? (laughs) What does this do? What does this do? Because I'm always playing with
2: the buttons. Oh, my God. And I press them really hard.
0: (laughs) For fuck's sakes, it already starts. Well, if you have any kind of rhythm, you
2: should be just fine. Jewish and a white guy. (laughs) So, the answer is no.
0: <laughs> and as far as his underwear, explain
2: the Hulk. The Hulk always rips his pants. So, he's always nude? Yeah. He,
0: he <laughs> <lived>. Always nude. <laughs> he so, if her. I pulled up a picture of the Hulk right now,
2: of <laughs> uh, his transformation,
0: <laughs> he would be nude? The
1: way into the movie.
0: Hey.
2: A couple times.
1: I didn't
0: write this fucking thing, Katie. Okay. You're not going to listen to it anyway, so would you
1: <laughs> care? No, doing- does he unplug that? Yep. He does? Oh, sorry. Let's
2: see. We don't interrupt the dawn. Sorry. Because now he's got to read it again. Uh, Start with, he leaves his presentation. Hey, fucker, (laughs) don't tell me what to do. Child, she can now embrace that there is actually magic in the world.
0: Right. And so, Josh, were you seriously just tapping on the microphone?
1: (laughs) I wanted to see if it would make a noise. (laughs) 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 Sorry. I wanted to see. If you I just would wanted make to piss noise. Dawn off,
0: didn't no! you? No. Are
2: you trying not to get invited back? Is that what your goal here is, Katie? That's going to be my focus every time. Is just to yeah, you said that already. Really <laughs> figure that out. I know. I'm saying it to again. Oh, yeah. you, you're gonna say it to us again? Yeah. Okay. So, Professor, I've got a question for you. Yes. So, if there there was a porn name for the movie Big, what would the porn name be? Um, what
1: would the name be
2: what would the porn version of this movie be
1: named
0: yeah i think the obvious answer is staring at you right in the face (laughs) yeah it (laughs)
2: does every morning
0: (laughs) all right fuck off good night